Space Shuttle, this is Flight Safety. This podcast may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion. You are clear for launch. The following paragraphs are from a fanfiction titled Memory is the Seamstress and a Capricious One at That by today's guest fanfiction writer, Fandom Galore. Draco, I know your stag party is in three weeks. Leo has reminded me several times already. Harry sighed through the phone, opening the door to the small grocery store with his shoulder. He squinted, attempted to see something in the interior of the shop while wearing his sunglasses. Stupid eyes, he grumbled. Did you just call my wedding stupid, Potter? Draco asked through the phone indignantly. Of course not. I wouldn't dare, he soothed his friend, grabbing a salad from the fridge. Your wedding is going to be the event of the year. Isn't that what Astoria wanted? It's what Astoria wanted, yes. And I want whatever my soon-to-be wife wants. The wedding needs to be perfect, which is why we can only do crazy shit at my stag party. So I need you to be there and get all the stupid out on that night instead of on the wedding day. Harry snaked his way through the supermarket, looking for a can of Coke and some beers. I appreciate the vote of confidence in my ability to behave on your wedding day. Harry cradled the phone between his ear and shoulder, having found the beers, and made a beeline for the cashier at the end of the aisle. I will be there. You think I would dare disappoint Theo? Have you seen his wrath? Because I have, and it's terrifying. From the corner of his eye, he saw a tall young man with striking gray eyes turn the corner of the neighboring aisle. The man was going to be at the cashier first, but Harry quickly threw his salad onto the belt. Gray eyes, as Harry quickly dubbed him, stopped short, raising his eyebrows. Drago, we've been friends for years. You've known me since we were six. We shared a dorm room for seven years. I would hope you know me better than to think I'd just skip your stag party. He handed the cashier a tenor with a quick smile before grabbing his things and walking to the exit. I'm about to get into my car. I'll text you later, he said, and quickly hung up, opening the door. Just before the door closed, he heard a male voice say something. It was too soft to hear anything, but he could clearly catch the word. Rude. To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world. Greetings from the wild era desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest fanfiction writer today is Fandom Galore. Fandom Galore has been a member of AO3 since 2015 and has 18 fanfictions currently posted for fandoms like Supernatural, Beowulf, Critical Role, Doctor Who, and Harry Potter. She works in mail delivery and at the theater and loves taking in stories and making stories in many forms. Fandom Galore loves movies, TV series, theater, books, fics, graphic novels, audio dramas, and playing and listening to D&D. Hell yeah. She also plays the violin and sings. 
Fandom Galore, welcome to the Fanfic Maverick. How you doing today? Hi, I'm doing really good. Thank you. So excited to be here. So excited that you're here too. We're going to have some good discussions today. I want to start with your origin story with fan fiction. How did you discover fan fiction for the very first time? And do you still remember the very first fan fiction that you ever read? Absolutely not. I do not remember it. No, no. Too much a long time ago, right? (laughs) Too long. Yeah, it's too long ago. I'm not even sure when I got into it. I think it was around eighth grade, which was like the height of the twilight grays. That's when I got into it. I'm ashamed to say almost, but hey, it was twilight. I was a teenage girl. It happens. And I think and like eighth grade, that was my second year of like what we call high school in the Netherlands. And I was doing bilingual education. So I was only in my second year of really learning English. So reading it was really hard. So I think I started with Dutch fan fiction of Twilight, but it sucked. It really sucked. I'm sorry to say it, but it sucked. It was kind of me forcing myself to read English fics. I think it wasn't great. It was like Edward slash reader fics. In second person, back when that was still allowed. (laughs) Don't feel bad, though. (laughs) You know, we all have that stuff that we read back then when we were in high school, you know. And we look back at it now as adults and we think, oh, that's so cringy. Why did I do that? But you know what? It's okay. It's okay to have interests at a certain age. And then it's okay to move past that. Right? And we can look back and say, you know what? That was still a fun time. And I mean, usually I don't mean that derogatory towards those authors. Those fics tended to have easier vocabulary, which was good for me still learning English and having to really struggle my way through it to read them. So in that sense, it really helped me develop my English to read, to understand, to broaden my vocabulary and eventually get to the level where I go and am and maybe still continue going. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I've talked to enough fan fiction writers by this point who English is not their first language. And most of these fic writers have told me that the process of reading fan fiction in English helped their ability to really be conversant in English tremendously in a way that nothing else did. Was that the same experience for you as well? I don't know, because my my journey for fan fiction was at the same time as me being forced in school to also talk Dutch. Like I had, or talking English, sorry. I had maybe 90% of my classes in English and only a few classes in Dutch. So School is also forcing me to learn English very quickly. So it's all coming together at the same time. So I can't really say what helped develop my English most. Did I support my learning in school with fan fiction or did fan fiction support my learning in school? Like it's a big ball of interconnectedness. I personally can't say if fan fiction helped me with writing later 
because I just don't know. Yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair because it sounds like you had a really immersive experience in learning English. If most of your classes were in English and you were kind of forced to learn it in an immersive environment, then it's super fair to say, you know, I can't really say it was fan fiction in my case. And that's totally that's totally cool, but still cool that you were able to um to have that immersive experience. They say that that's the best way to learn a second it, it, language. It truly right? is. <laughs> Yes. It, it really is yes, way better. Exactly. Now, I know that you don't necessarily remember the first fic that you read, but as you think back on all the fics that you've read in the past, are there any specific fics that you remember reading that had a big impact on you as a person or a writer? I'm going to say something terrible, and it technically isn't fic anymore, but it's Fifty Shades. Oh, really? Yeah. So I couldn't get through it. I've read maybe 10 pages and then I had to put it away because, well, it's not great, just in a writing technical standpoint. But it introduced me to kink and BDSM and that kind of thing. And after reading those few pages of Fifty Shades, I read more fanfic that explored kink, that explored BDSM and it suddenly explained a lot of feelings that I had in puberty when I was reading certain scenes in books. And I was like, oh my God, I suddenly understand things about myself. It was a revelation. So it, it was Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair, though. That's fair. And you're right that technically Fifty Shades started out as a fan fiction. It was know? a fan fiction. <laughs> can't deny that. No, we can't. We can't. That is well documented and established. Well, hey, that's totally fair because, you know, it doesn't really matter sometimes, I think, in my brain, whether it's fan fiction or whether it's, you know, any other kind of genre of literature. I've always been of the belief that literature in general, no matter what the genre, has the power to change us as human beings, you know, and can impact our lives in a long term way. I've certainly experienced that with lots of different kinds of uh, genres of literature, fan fiction included. So I I sometimes like asking that question just to see, hey, is there any specific work that you can think of that, uh, you know, impacted you? Because I think a lot of us have uh, stories about that. So for you, it was Fifty Shades, which is great because, you know, I think that that's one of the powerful things about literature when it comes to exploring ourselves and the things we don't necessarily know about ourselves until something that we read sort of unlocks that. Right. And then we want more so we can continue exploring that piece of ourselves. And it can sometimes really help us understand where those things are coming from, what we like, what we don't like. It can be very helpful. Yeah. And I I never expected it. I think like it was such a thing that I never thought about. And I was like 50 shades. And back in in that time, I was like, I'm sex averse, I'm ace, no, 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 I don't need any of that. But I was just, I was interested in how is kink properly described because I was just like intrigued. It was something I didn't know about, so I wanted to know. And then I started reading it and I was all of a sudden like, wait, is this what people feel when they masturbate? I'm starting to understand so many things about myself. All of a sudden, and I was like, I was 20, I think, when this happened. And I was like, what's happening? It just happened. (laughs) 
Right, right. Well, and what an important thing I think to explore, right? Yeah. Human sexuality, that's such a big part of many people's life experience. And so to understand that part about yourself, whether you're ace, whether, you know, you are active, you know, sexually with yourself or with a partner or whatever, those things are important to know about yourself for quality of life, right? <laughs> like it's important to explore. It did make me question my sexuality and again, and I was like, okay, you know what, I'm not going to bother right now. I'm just, whatever, it's whatever. <laughs> But it was just, it was such a revelation. I was like, this is too much for me right now. I'm, okay, I've learned something about myself after this. That's enough for right now. Well, the fun thing about fan fiction is that once you kind of go down that rabbit hole of discovery, right? And all of a sudden you read something and you're like, oh, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. I didn't even know I liked that, you know? And then you kind of go down this rabbit hole of, well, I want more. And then you find all these other stories that have the thing that you like, or they might introduce other elements that you weren't exposed to before. And then you discover, oh, yeah, I kind of like that too. Or maybe you discover things you don't like, right? Which is just equally important, right? Stuff that you don't like. So it can really be this like, I don't know, this progressive exploration of different things and it just kind of goes on and on and on because there's an infinite number of fan fictions out there with stuff like that so much yeah so much much. right so i imagine at this point since it sounds like you got into fan fiction early enough in your teen years so at this point in your life you've read lots i'm sure lots of different fan fictions lots of different genres and stuff I barely remember what I have and haven't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I remember there are definitely works that stand out in my brain, but do I remember every single story I've ever read in my life? No. Um, And that's okay. That's all right. But what are some things about fan fiction at this point in your life that surprise or excite you the most? I think it's more surprise than excite, but it's kind of both. It's how different writers can interpret the same characters in the same situations entirely differently. Like, we put the same characters with the same ships and the same tropes over and over and over and over again. But every thick is different, and it's just, that's wild to me. Because how can different authors just see, say, I'm true to character, by having them do A in this situation and offer D will say, no, no, no. The characters will do J and that is awfully in character. And meanwhile, action A and action J are completely opposite. And that's wild to me because both are valid. Yeah, two things can be true at the same exact time. And it's wild to me. It's super surprising to see it happen and at the same time it's incredibly exciting because you think oh it's going this way and then it's just taking a hard left to the other thing and then you're like oh oh it's entirely different (laughs) yes it's entirely different but then it makes sense though in your brain as you're reading it you're like wait a second this actually makes a lot of sense and i feel like that experience is expansive for our own personal understandings of the character in the universe. 
because then we can take that action, right, that the writer put in the fic and be like, well, now I can incorporate that side of this character into my personal understanding of who this person is, right? Yeah. And it's just this expansive experience where we're constantly learning and discovering new things about that character. And I think that is exciting. I agree with you on that point. It truly 100%. is. 100%. It, it truly is. I like thinking about it sometimes in musical terms. You know, you play the violin and you sing, so you might understand me when I say it this way. But you know how in music... There are classic songs that we all know and we all love, right? And on those classic songs, people love to come along and they want to do a cover of that song. They didn't write the song. They didn't come up with it, but they want to do their own interpretation, their own cover of that song. So every time you listen to that one song done by different artists, different covers, it's going to sound familiar, but there's always going to be something unique special and different about it that you're going to love. I kind of see it the same way with fan fiction. Same character, same scenario, but the interpretation is just a little bit different. How about to throw in a little drums in there? Yes. Just a little, or a little yes. electrical guitar. What happens when I do that? And then it's like, oh my God, it's so different right now. But I like yes, it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, fic writers are out there singing songs. Just throwing in electrical guitars. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It might be a song we've heard a million times, but it's going to be just a little bit different every single time. And we love it. Yeah, and we love it. And we want to hear more. We We want to keep hearing the song. So it's funny when I hear fic writers get anxious sometimes about writing a certain story because they'll be like, oh, this trope has been done a million times or this story has been done in this universe a million times. And I always tell them, write it anyway, write it anyway, because nobody's going to sing that song quite like you do. No, and it harkens back to there have been studies, I think, in the psychology field how people always come back to the same movies, the same TV series over and over again instead of watching something new. Because watching something new gives us a lot of anxiety because we don't know how it ends and where the story goes. Well, what we do know is like it's our comfort because it doesn't give us anxiety. We know where it's going. We know what's going to happen. And that's nice and gives us a comfort cocoon, basically. It's why all Hallmark films are the same. You can just put one on, not watch, and you look up and you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to kiss. And that's fine. (laughs) It is fine. incredibly comforting. But that's kind of the same with fan fiction. In the end, in 90% of the fics, we know where it's going. And that's comforting. So we can read without anxiety. And that's why we love fan fiction, and that's why we read fan fiction over the millions of original fiction books out there. Because we love the comfort of the characters we know and the tropes we know, because we know where it's going. Yes, we can comfortably sink into the familiarity of that world and that character, and you just feel right at home there. Right at home. Yeah. That's why we love fan fiction. At least that's why I love fan fiction. It's just the comfort of no anxiety of where the story is going. I just, I know it. 
hence why I love Hallmark movies. I will unashamedly say I love Hallmark movies because I don't actually have to watch them to know where it's going. <laughs> right. There's a formula there, right? There's the formula there for those Hallmark yeah. movies, but you're like, okay, I know the formula. And it's so funny that you mention Hallmark because uh, we're going to be talking about your fan fiction today. Yeah. And as I was reading it, I was so pleased and amused by the fact that it reminded me so much of a Hallmark movie. It's basically a Hallmark movie. Right? It is. It's a Hallmark it movie. It's a Hallmark movie in a thick. Yes. And I loved it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. This is like the rom-coms that you just love sinking into. You know, there were so many elements of that. So I'm uh, excited to talk about your fic when we get to that point. Because, yeah, it's yeah. funny. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I was absolutely thinking Hallmark film when I finished uh, reading it. Um, so that was very cool. But first... I want to talk about <laughs> I want to talk about dark fic here a little bit. We're going to take yes. a left turn here for a second, guys. We're going away from Hallmark. Yeah. Yo, you told me something so interesting, and I'm so curious about this. You told me in an email that as a fan fiction reader, you gravitate more to dark fic as a reader. But as a writer, you stick more to writing the fluffy stuff. And I love that contrast. I think that's amazing. And I have so many questions for you about that. <laughs> you know, as a reader, what is it that you like most about the dark fic stuff? And then as a writer, what's drawing you to the fluff? I'm so curious about that. Tell me more about that. Well, I think as a writer, that answer is the easiest one. It's, I think, partly me being lazy and choosing the easy choice. And I'm putting easy between quotation marks. Because... Fluff to me is usually just asking the question, which choice or which choice for the characters makes my teeth rot? And then I'm having them do that, which is like just it's a cop out choice. Basically, it's just writing. And I'm like, OK, so I want something that makes my teeth rot. What is that going to be? That's going to be, I don't know, um, them going on the shopping spree. And he is just looking at her and saying she looks beautiful. That's cheesy. That's making my teeth rot. And that's fluffy. Next. Oh, okay. So I have a follow-up question for you on that. Because it sounds to me like what you're saying. This is what I'm hearing. It sounds to me almost like by focusing on the fluff stuff, which, you know, by the way, I love fluff. I love all kinds of genres Same. of, of fan fiction. So, you know, I love the dark stuff. Like, I'm not going to lie. Everybody knows that about me. I love dark fic. But I like fluffy stuff, too. I read it all the time. And um, I imagine that as a writer, when you're writing the fluffy stuff, it sounds like by focusing on the fluff, you're able to avoid the angst and the conflict that comes into a story when you introduce elements like you know, the dark fic tropes and things like that. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like, you get to kind of avoid all of that messy yeah. conflict? Like, I've never, I'll be honest, I've never tried my hand at actual long-form fluff. All my fluff is short. It's one-shots. I think this one is the whole, no, banding together, I think, is my longest fluffy bit. But that has angst sprinkled in. Like, the fic we'll discuss later that it has the one misunderstanding moment and that's it and it's just it's all fluffy avoid the drama avoid 
scary bits, avoid angst, just stick to cute. And I love that. And it is incredibly easy read, but it's also indeed, it's avoiding the more difficult tropes to me. I don't exactly have to think about writing fluff. It just comes tumbling out and everything else I have to think about. How am I incorporating this? How? What am I supposed to do with that? How does that in- affect the characters? While with fluff, it's just, they're happy. And I love happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I'm so glad that you are willing to talk about that with me because I feel like I relate to that so hard. I don't publish fan fiction yet at this point. That's coming here, you know, down the pike. But I do write. I write. Um, I just keep it to myself for now. And I have discovered that for me, I relate to what you're saying. Because when I do try to introduce elements of drama or angst or, uh, you know, dark fic tropes into my writing, I sometimes write myself into a corner with this character. Yeah. And then I have no the fuck idea how to get myself out of it, you know, because it doesn't feel fair to just have the character resolve all that trauma, you know, in five paragraphs or something. So I'm like, okay, that's not fair. It needs more time. Yeah, it needs more time. And I just don't consider myself skilled enough at this point to do that well. I love reading dark fic, but, you know, I always am so impressed by these dark fic writers because I'm like, y'all have this amazing ability (laughs) to get your characters out of these situations in a believable way that I just don't have the ability to do myself at this point. One day, I think I'll get there, but... Yeah, or they have the guts to leave them there. That's also an option. But I'm like, I'm not sure I'm... I have the stomach and the heart as a writer to leave my characters in the gutter. <laughs> yes. I, just, I want yes. them out. I, I love them too much to leave them there. But sometimes that's the only place you can keep them. Like getting them out is just unbelievable. And it's, it's, I find that incredibly difficult to write. And it's why I don't do it all that much. But I love reading it. Oh. Yes, yes. Okay, now tell me about your experience reading it. You know, it was so, so funny when you told me that in an email. We uh, we kind of gave each other the secret dark fic handshake. There's a yeah. handshake for those who are wondering. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. It but is. um It exists. It, yeah, it exists and it's, it's a joke. whatever you want it to be. Exactly. But like, I also relate to that because, yeah, like... I gravitate so hard to the dark fic stuff for lots of different reasons. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, for you, in your reading experience, the dark fic, like, what gravitates you to that? I think part of it is the exploration of of the forbidden, of the fantasy of the morally wrong thing that you know in real life is just something you should absolutely stay away. It's wrong. Do not do but in fic, you can explore it. You can think about it and you can just revel in the depravity. And that's what I love about dark fic. I just can go, yeah, give me some torture. Yes, that's fun. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> I love it's, that. And realize I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Torture? <laughs> no. <laughs> 
didn't think I'm like, yes, more. <laughs> See, that's why I hesitated for a long time talking about dark fake with people because I had the same thought that you did for a long time where I was like, there must be something horribly wrong with me if I keep gravitating to stories like this. And since then, I've been able to kind of process that and work through those feelings and be like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I would never condone any of this stuff in real life. But to your point, fiction is a safe place, right? Where we yeah. do get to explore the taboo and the forbidden and the things that we would never do or condone in real life situations, but we get to experience those things in a safe way through, yeah. through fiction. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, no, revel in the depravity. I I am perfectly capable of understanding that what I'm reading in dark fic is morally wrong and that you shouldn't do it in real life. I am perfectly capable of making that distinction but it doesn't mean that i don't love reading about the fantasies the same as i love loving the bad guy but i never want my boyfriend or girlfriend to be the bad guy because that's a horribly toxic relationship and you cannot turn them around no matter how many times it's done in the movies and the books it doesn't happen, or so rarely that you shouldn't bank on it. I am perfectly capable of separating fantasy and reality from each other. And that makes me think, why is it then wrong to just enjoy my escapist fantasy for an hour a day? Oh my god, I love that you brought up the bad guy thing. I love that, <laughs> by the way. We all love the bad Yes, sometimes our favorite characters are the bad guy. And it it is so strange to me when people don't like that and they get all bent out of shape about that. And they, you know, they want to say, this ship, this ship that you like, this is so toxic. and That's horrible. And that's bad. Yes, I love the toxicity. Exactly. Like, Thank yes, you. that's why I like it. Thank you very much. Or whatever, because you're right that in real life, you, you know, hopefully, right, you understand the distinction and you would understand, like you said, you would never want someone like that for your actual real life partner. But it's so much fun to explore in fiction. It's so much fun to explore these, you know, bad guy, bad girl type of characters and, you know, yeah. all the those kinds of things. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Exactly. So I'll never understand the folks that are just like, this shouldn't exist. It's so toxic. It's like, okay, well, yup, yup, it is. <laughs> and I like no. it. So I don't and know what to I tell like you. It. For some people, I understand that it like it hits close to home. But at the same time, like, just because it hits close to home for you doesn't mean that I can't enjoy my fantasy. That's why figs have tags why they have content warnings and why you can stay away from certain world ships characters because they are in general portrayed in a certain way that you don't like and that's fine and i'm like you can curate your own experience you know just like i do i curate my own experience and it has those pics in it 
Exactly. You know, folks do have to learn how to, like you said, curate their own experiences and have personal responsibility on just staying away from stuff that, you know, they don't like. If you don't like something, no one's forcing you to read it. You know, it can exist uh, without you interacting with it. And that's just fine. Yeah. Now, I always appreciate people who um, who like reading all that dark stuff because I get it. I get it. So um, but yeah, I I just wanted to to kind of hear your thoughts on that, because, again, I think that's so interesting. And I can absolutely understand why you would gravitate more towards the writing of the fluffy stuff, because, uh, yeah, (laughs) in my own experiences with writing stuff, um, I totally get where you're coming from it's on that. It's hard. It can be really hard. Um, so for now, I leave that to the professionals, <laughs> the folks in fandom yeah, who are so much better at it than me. <laughs> it is also why I've noticed that my favorite dark fics are also incredibly long works because they just they require all the characterization, the character development to get them through it to not make the happy ending either come out of nowhere like Deus Ex Machina or to to just really show them the shit they went through and I'm like okay but they're really long but I love that I don't think I can read 450k words of fluffiness in a fic but I can read it in dark fic it has something that just keeps drawing you in yeah, you know what? Now that you say that, I'm thinking, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, have I ever read 450k words of fluff? No, I don't think I have. I don't no. think I have. I don't think you'd have teeth left. Yeah. <laughs> well, what exactly can you say about fliff for four, fliff, fluff? What exactly can you say for fluff for 450k words? I, but I with the dark fix, oh my God, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Just torture them some more. <laughs> well, you know what? It's good for us, though, because, you know, if you're a dark fic reader and you like that, then you get to just uh, play around with these really long fan fictions that yeah. take you a while to get through. And that's always nice. I appreciate that. It's really nice. It's really nice. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, we're talking about a fandom here today that has lots of different genres of fan fiction written about it. You got your fluff, you got your dark fic and everything in between. And of course, that's Harry Potter. We've been covering Harry Potter a lot this year. I know, folks. But, uh, you know, it's such a big fandom. So it's inevitable that this this one's going to be covered a lot, but we've been trying to bring in different pairings and different ships and different things like that to kind of uh, uh, mix it up here. So today we're kind of talking about a, a story that has Harry Potter with Cedric Diggory, which I dig, you know, pun intended. Super cool. Real quick, just what brought you into the the Harry Potter fandom in the first place? Ooh, I think I got in at the same time, like, the Twilight craze because I went through a bunch of different fandoms at the time like Twilight, Harry Potter, Supernatural, Doctor Who, like everything at the same time. The big five, right? <laughs> the, the, the big five, yeah. <laughs> Super Gulag and then uh, Harry Potter and Twilight. That, that was basically it. But I really got back into the Harry Potter fanfic at the start of the pandemic. It's 2020. My sister sent me a Discord invite for uh, the Harry Potter fanfiction club. And that's when I really... I, I'd been reading a little bit more shortly before that, like 2018, 2019. 
uh, some Germany, mostly that my sister sent me, and then we'd read the same fix. But really, by joining that Discord server, I really got back into it. I've been active ever since, and really reading. They got me back into writing. I will definitely give them that. <laughs> I haven't written in years. And then I got there, and I started writing again. So I, I will give Harry Potter Fan Fiction Club that honor. Now, is that because you had all of that encouragement from others in the community? Is that one of the things that kind of encouraged you to get back into the writing? Yeah, partly. They also, and we still do, have travel challenges. So it was like, you get a challenge to write maybe 500 words or 700 words about, I don't know, and one of the fix on my AO3 is you had to choose a place. And I chose the Hufflepuff common room. And then your travel had to be set in that place. And those were the little things and I could at first just post safely on the Discord and no one else would see it, just the Discord and it would get buried. And I was like, okay, that that's fine, that's safe. And and I started to branch out from that, started writing more, started writing longer, started posting to AO3 again. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. That's where I got more confident because I got positive feedback, people saying, oh, I love that. And that was really what I needed to really get back into writing. Just the small bits and not really having to think of everything myself. That's why I really like doing fests. You don't have to choose everything, but you get something and you just have to work with that. You don't have to come up with a premise and it. Where does it go? And it's which characters do I choose? And what ship do I make of that? It's just you get something and you start building from it. It was really good as a foundation for me to get back into writing. Right. It sounds like it gives you that structure or that direction, you know, they kind of point you in a specific direction. And then you can just run with it and be like, okay, I got my structure. I can kind of just run with this. It also limited you. It was like, right. 500 words maximum. And back then, 500 words for me was a lot. I was like, oh, well, uh, if I get to 150, I'll be happy. And now I'm like, 500 words? Can I get maybe 750, please? (laughs) No? Ah, fuck. That's changed. Yeah, but I love that. I love that you were able to start in this safe environment, in this safe place. Because, you know, a lot of us, I think, get I don't know, overwhelmed or discouraged when we think, oh, my God, you know, everyone else is writing 25 chapter, you know, 100K plus fix. And that just seems like so much. And I'll never be able to do that. But, you know, it sounds like in this community, you were encouraged and there was a lot of cheerleading going on and all of these fests and prompts and stuff. And you were able to safely write something small enough for you to feel like, hey, I can do this. You know, it might be a challenge for me at first, 500 words or whatever, but you were able to kind of like build that ability to do that, right? And then from there, you can kind of build on that and try for more later. Whereas now, you know, now it sounds like you're able to do more. And I I wanted to ask you more about that later on, but, uh, but I love that. I love that being in this community with other people to cheerlead you has been such a positive experience, especially for your writing. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. They're amazing people. I love them. Good. 
that always makes me so happy when I hear stuff like that. Because, you know, you sometimes hear a lot about all the drama that goes on in fandom. And, and drama does happen. It does. It happens everywhere. But I love hearing about the good stuff that people are doing out there. We try to avoid the drama. Right, right. And knowing that there are places out there where you can just have a good time and be yourself and kind of explore and grow as a person, as a writer. That's always wonderful to hear. Now, your fan fiction today, was that inspired by one of these fest challenges? Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's what I thought, because at the end of it, you had this like author's note with certain words in it. And I thought, oh, that's cool. That sounds like this was some some part of a fest or a challenge or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was written for Untagged Fest. We do that with Harry Potter Fan Fiction Club. It, we've done it twice now, in 2021 and 2022. And it's a fest in which you get two genres, of which you have to use at least one, and five characters, of which you have to use at least two. And then you post it and you don't tag anything except content warnings. So I liken it to fix spelunking because you don't know what you're going to get as a reader. You're just like, well, I have a summary. Could be good. Could be bad. It's, I don't know. I don't even know which characters are in it. It's so much fun because even as a writer, you don't even have to think about the tags. You're just like, post. And as a reader, you're going in like, but where is this going? I don't know where this is going. And it creates such fun for both readers and authors. Right. It's keeping that element of surprise. And I love that. The fic we're talking about today, it's called Memory is the Seamstress. It's a one shot, a longer one shot. Tell us what this story is about and what inspired it besides the prompts that you received. Well, the fic is about Harry. It's a muggle AU, so it's an alternate universe in which everyone is just normal, no magic, nothing. And Harry decides to sell the cottage in Godric's Hollow because he hasn't been there since the night his parents were murdered. And he's like, it just needs a little patch job and then it will be gone from my life. That can't be all to hurt now, can it? Well, it's never that easy, is it? So. <laughs> not for storytelling purposes, it's not. <laughs> for storytelling purposes, it's not that easy. Like we mentioned before, it's basically a Hallmark movie. It's formulaic, but also comfy to consume. And as it was a fake, I had certain options, and I tried to patch my characters together. I had several characters as options. And, and when I got it, I was like, this isn't easy. You gave me five characters whom I can all pair up with each other. What am I going to do? I have like, I don't know, what is it? 10, 15 options of chips. What are you doing to me? So <laughs> in the end, I, I ended up selling for Harry and Cedric. And I was inspired in part by Hallmark movies and is specifically... And it's not a Hallmark movie, but it's the same idea. It's the Netflix movie Falling in Love, in which the main character buys an inn and it has to be patched up before it can be functional. And she falls in love with the handyman. 
And well, that's basically what happens <laughs> in Memories the Seamstress. Yes, that's exactly what happens. And it was just so cute. It was so, so fluffy. And it was so adorable. So cute. I loved this story. It was so cool. I am curious about, because you mentioned kind of having to choose the specific pairing because you had so many choices here. Was there anything in particular that made you choose Harry and Cedric specifically? I have an immense weak spot for the Hufflepuffs because I'm a Hufflepuff myself and I think they're underrepresented. So Cedric drew me in in the sense that I was like, well, my options were Ronald Weasley, Cedric Diggory, Harry Potter, Draco Malfoy, and Hermione Granger. And four out of the five get a ton of fix already. Like Harry Draco and Drary and Dramini, Draco Hermione. Those are the two biggest ships in the fandom. And then there's Hermione and Ron, which is a massive canon ship. And I was like, oh, and then Harry Hermione is also a really big ship. And I was like, even Harry Cedric doesn't really get all that much love. Cedric in general doesn't get all that much love. I want to give them some love. And at the same time, I'm like, there's this relationship that you kind of see, especially in Goblet of Fire. But it starts back in Prison of Azkaban, where we meet Cedric for the first time. And that's in the big Quidditch match where Harry gets attacked by the Dementors and falls off his broom. And Cedric doesn't realize when he catches the snitch that Harry has fainted. And he's trying to give back the points and say, no, we need to do this over. There's something in Cedric that incredibly, he doesn't think, ha, I won from Harry Potter. Woo, I beat the Wonder Child. No, he's like, I need to be fair, even if this kid is getting so much fame. Maybe in some people's eyes, he's getting everything on a silver platter. But he's still like, no, I want to win fair and square, not like this. And then in Goblet of Fire, there is a kind of tension between them. But you're never really sure what it is. And I think Harry could benefit from a Hufflepuff in his life. I think Cedric is the stereotypical Hufflepuff, which I don't particularly like. But hey, that's what we have. But I think Harry could benefit from a person like Cedric. And well, Cedric is the only person we've got right now. So we'll settle for Cedric. I love Cedric. Like, Harry has grown up alone, abused, and then he gets out of that situation to the exact opposite, being put on a pedestal as the chosen one. But in every encounter that we see between Cedric and Harry, Cedric is like, shrug, he's just Harry. And I love that. And I think Harry could really use that in his life for someone who can be really close to him. So that's why I, I got drawn to them. See, and I love that point. I always love to hear why people pair, you know, different characters together, right? It's so fascinating to me. So I love how it, you've put that. I feel like I don't know Cedric Diggory all that well either, right? So I was insanely curious. Well, what does Cedric bring? 
to Harry Potter's life. That's so interesting. So, um, yeah, your point that it seems like he has this uh, this inherent sense of honor, which is really great because I'm sure that Harry's the type of person that can appreciate that, you know, and then his ability to just treat Harry like a like a person and not a conglomeration of all of these other, you know, factors and things about him, but just see him as a person. I feel like that could have a stabilizing effect <laughs> right, for Harry yeah. in many ways. And of course, it's really hard to translate that to memory where that whole idea of Harry being magical and therefore being the chosen one, that, that's all gone. It, it's a muggle AU, but how do you put something like that back in? So in memory, Harry is upper class. He grew up with Sirius Black. He grew up, well, in my mind, he went to Eton. He got Oxbridge, the, the whole shebang of British upper class, while Cedric is just the small town handyman. He's gone to the local school. He's never really been outside of his town. I'm not even sure he went to university. But Cedric doesn't treat Harry differently because of his higher status between quotation marks. He's just like, yeah, he's a person. And he might know he's upper class, but he doesn't behave like it. So I'm not going to treat him with disrespect or prejudice because he's upper class. I'm just going to treat him like I would treat anyone else in this town. And I think that is really how I'm try to translate Cedric's Hufflepuffness in the wizarding world over to our normal world. Yes, converting it to the AU metric here and still keeping that element of his personality intact, which I really loved. I loved how you did that. I loved what you did with Harry's character here, where you kind of explain how he has had traumatic things happen to him, right? With his parents being murdered. In your AU, they're murdered for slightly different reasons than they were in the Harry Potter universe. Voldy still did it. Yes, he did. And that's still a traumatic thing that Harry went through. And so you kind of talk about how growing up under the shadow of that trauma sort of, uh, I don't know, muted his personality just a little bit or muted his ability to relax and let go. So he kind of talks about how he's not really able to be so carefree the same way that he sees uh, Cedric being able to be so relaxed and carefree. There are these moments in this story where they're working on the house together, you know, and they're painting the walls and stuff. Yeah. Singing Abba. Yeah. He's just listening to the radio and singing Abba and he doesn't care who sees him. He's just dancing and singing. And Harry's just looking at him in this kind of, a little bit of an envious way, like, oh, you know, I wish I could let loose like that. And I wish I could be relaxed enough like that. And it's really sweet because Cedric kind of encourages him to let loose a little bit that day and encourages him like, hey, you sing the next one or you, you know, dance with me to this song. Like, let's have fun. And Harry does it. You know, it feels uncomfortable and it feels awkward. It always feels uncomfortable at the start. Right. Out of his comfort zone, but he still does it. He does it because Cedric feels safe enough to do that in front of, right? And um, Cedric's able to kind of bring that out of him. And I thought that that was really sweet. Yeah, I just, I, I can't imagine that Harry having grown up both with a trauma and then being pushed, like 
there are certain expectations of upper class, both kids and in the system that they grow up in. Like if you're going to boarding school starting age 11, how do you grow up? You're always surrounded by kids who have an opinion on you. Like I was bullied in primary school. And that was just for a couple of hours a day, five days a week. Can you imagine 24-7? It must be horrible. So you're constantly trying maybe to stop that from happening, building walls around yourself, constantly like acting, just projecting something and not really showing yourself except for a select few people. And you need to get comfortable with people before you might do that. Well, Cedric has always been like, I don't care. And maybe he had bullies, but then it was a few hours at school and then he could do whatever he wanted and he could avoid them in town. So he, Cedric can sing and do whatever he likes and be confident and happy-go-lucky in that sense where Harry is like, I need to make sure that I have a wall around me. And that's their differences. Yes, yes. Harry seems like he is operating under the weight of a lot of expectations, whether those expectations are coming internally from himself or whether those expectations are coming from outside sources around him because of the way that he grew up and the fact that he is upper class with a lot of money and uh, just had different experiences that go along with that. So it is really just interesting. And you see that a lot in rom-coms. I'm thinking about like a lot of the romance, you know, like Hallmark movies. There are so many of those movies where one of the characters comes from a certain class of society that's more, you know, posh and bougie and stuff. Yeah. And then they go to some small town and they meet up with the local lumberjack or something, you know, who never went to college or whatever. So, like, a lot of times you have these, like... The, this element of two worlds colliding in these romantic Hallmark films and stuff, which is definitely what you have here. I thought it was really funny. I loved that you did this because um, you know how in these Hallmark movies, you have the first interaction between the two characters, right? And it's always bad. Yeah, sometimes it is. And sometimes it's not like sometimes it's a meet cute, you know, where it's like, yeah. oh, this person so cute and attractive and blah, blah, blah. And then other times it's like a horrible disaster. And I loved that you chose the horrible disaster. It had to be the disaster. Yeah, I loved that personally. I was like, oh, that's so funny. And it wasn't like, I don't feel like Harry meant to do that. You know, he was on the phone and he was distracted. He was just rushing. Yeah, he was rushing. I don't feel like he was intentionally rude. (laughs) You know, No, it was just like, I don't want to stand behind someone for a minute. I'm going to throw my shit in front of it and then I'm. I'm done. I'll be done in a second. And in Harry's mind, he had zero intention of being rude. But to everyone around him, it was rude. Like, if you read it, you're like, Harry, this is rude. Yes. You're an ass. I know. And I just kind of like was like, well, he was super distracted. He's on the phone with Draco at that point. And they're talking about Draco's upcoming wedding and his stag party and everything. So I was like, well... He's just distracted, you know, like his mind is somewhere else. He wasn't 
I don't I don't feel like he's the type of guy to be intentionally, you know, rude like that. But but yeah, his first interaction with Cedric in this fic was like one of those like disaster meetings <laughs> that you see sometimes. It's not even they don't even really need because in movies they can be way worse than this. In this case, it's just like they don't even talk. It's just cutting a line. That's it. So it's like on the scales of disaster is barely a one with 10 being absolutely disastrous it's a one it's it's barely a blip but it's still it's on the disaster scale and you can't put it on the meat cute scale it's on the disaster scale and i love it it is and it was so cool that you put that in there because then it kind of comes back to bite Harry in the ass a little bit later because, you know, it's such a small town and he he doesn't know anybody in that small town. So when he meets with his real estate agent to be like, hey, I need to fix up this place and let's put it on the market when it's all finished and fixed up. But he doesn't know who to hire to help him, you know, fix up the place and stuff, right? So he just has to rely on the real estate agent and be like, who do you know in town that can help me out with all this stuff? Because look at all this stuff that's broken in this house. And the real estate agent is like, oh, I know someone, someone local. Don't worry about it. They send a handyman to Harry's house. And who is on the other side of the door? Gray eyes from scene one. (laughs) That's right. The handyman that he was sort of rude to at the store a couple of days ago. And it's like this super awkward moment of, oh, shit, I know you. I recognize you. Like, uh, sorry, I was such an ass before, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Luckily, Cedric is very forgiving and he doesn't hold it against him. Oh, yeah. He's super professional about it. And he just kind of brushes it off and it's like whatever, it's fine, you know. And it's just kind of cool that they get to, like, get to know each other slowly through the process of fixing up this house. Because um, I was impressed by the fact that Harry decided to get his hands dirty here. If it was me, I don't know too much about fixing up houses, so I would have just let the handyman (laughs) handle it. But Harry's like, no, like, I can help. There's things I can do. So let me get my hands dirty. So they have a lot of time weeks of working together fixing up this house to really kind of get to know each other and spend time together and it's really cool that way there was that one scene that i laughed at because you know it's that one scene you see in like almost every rom-com ever they decide to have a paint fight you know so they're like throwing paint at each other and stuff and there's that obligatory scene where they start wrestling around on the floor yeah, and, then all and of a sudden they're on top of each other and like yes are we gonna kiss <laughs> no we're not gonna kiss but all- i do yes where they're just like on top of each other staring at each other's lips you know like should i yeah. shouldn't i you know <laughs> Eyes, lips, eyes, lips, eyes, lips, eyes, lips, eyes. Yes. This is awkward. (laughs) Yes. It was such a classic, like, romance movie moment where I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. Hitting all the cliches. Exactly. And, of course, there's a happy ending to all of this, which you would expect in a Hallmark romance. So it ends well and everything. So all's well that ends well. Absolutely 100% satisfied when I was finished with this and was like, oh, that was exactly like experiencing a romance movie. I loved this. So you did an amazing job. 
first of all. Thank <laughs> you. It was awesome. It turned out good. Um, so anybody who likes those fluffy rom-com movies, absolutely check this out because it's brilliant. Now, you talked earlier about building your writing experience on that foundation of these different prompts and fest challenges and things like that, and how you have been slowly kind of branching out and building yourself up, learning how to write even longer projects, because you said, you know, you mostly do one shots at this point, but you are working on branching that out a little bit, which is amazing, of course. And I was wondering if you had anything to say about that process of kind of branching out from the shorter one shots to possibly um, some longer projects. Pretty much all of my one shots, they're they're written by what we call the pantsing method. And it's where you just skirt by the seats of your pants. No prep, nothing, just vibes, just going and going and that there's an end somewhere. And that's fine when it's like three to five scenes and that's it. When you're trying to write long thick, you get stuck somewhere. You get at a certain point you're at a wall and you're like, yeah, I don't actually even know where this fic is going. So it strands like a fish on dry land and it just dies somewhere in the unfinished fix folder on the computer. Right, yes. So I've learned that I'm now trying to write a, a long fic, which will not be posted until it's done so you can wait for a while. <laughs> But I've learned that I have to prep. But luckily, we recently, in, in my writing, in the writing discord that I'm in, the Harry Potter Fanfic Writers Guild, we recently had an excellent, and I'm going to say excellent, workshop on prepping. So it, it helped me prep for this fic that I'm writing now to, to really get focused on what is it that I'm trying to do with this fic. And I... I, I First, I thought, this is going to be fluff. And, well, that already went out the window when my character decided to have a panic attack before I ever got to prepping. <laughs> so <laughs> that failed. But through prepping and trying to figure out where do I actually want this story to go, I, I found out that I want this to be more of a character study to really put character development first. And usually in fluff, I don't put a whole lot of character development because it's just supposed to be cute and cute and cute and characters don't change. And in this fake, I really want there to be this character study and see how do things affect them instead of just being cute scene, cute scene, cute scene. So prepping has really helped me in that regard to write longer. And I've learned that Alphas and betas are awesome because <laughs> I I didn't used to have anyone read my fics before posting them, and I really started to learn that it's really useful to have a beta who reads it afterwards and picks apart everything that is either full of holes or grammatically horrifying, which is also an option, or alphas who just help it. I had that with my last fic I posted. I had someone really help me out with the story's progression. Is it logical? Also, a little bit of where am I going? Do you think I'm too vague or too overt? What am I supposed to do here? And it was 
I really learned that they can be so incredibly help- helpful. So, yeah, that was really a thing in my process where I was like, never expected I would invite people to read my fix before they're done. I love that the common element and all of these things in your journey, right, with your writing process, I love that the community, it sounds like it is a huge element in all of these factors. I'm blown away to hear that your writer skill does workshops, that you had a workshop in the first place on planning and what that can look like and different ways to do that. That's amazing to me that you guys would even do that. Like, There are writers around the world that would kill to have that type of community and those type of resources available to them. And so it makes me so happy to know that in these types of fic writing communities, we do that for each other, you know, and we share what we know and nobody's getting paid for it. Like this is all just like volunteer stuff. It was so good. It it was amazing. I, I all the feathers into her ass like yes it was great right the fact that we just share these things freely with each other like i will never get over how cool that is that in fandom we just do things out of the love of doing things because they're worth doing not because you know we're trying to get paid or get rich and famous or whatever but just because we love something that will never get old to me. And to share our love. Yes. Not just to keep it for ourselves, but to share that. Yes. The willingness to share, to share and lift each other up so that we all get better and we all progress together. I think it's just so, so cool. And that's awesome what you said about, you know, learning how to plan stuff that might be a little bit longer because, yeah. It's so interesting to me the different ways that people go into writing fix, and I can absolutely see how planning would be uh, helpful and in some cases even necessary for certain types of stories and certain lengths of stories. So I'm sure that that's been different, learning how to do that versus the pantsing method. (laughs) Pantsing worked fine when I wrote my first 20K plus fic, but and even that I didn't truly pants because I was like okay I have an idea of where I want to go with this it's I had general story beats that I wanted to hit so I didn't even fully pants that but there comes a point I can perfectly pants for about 8k 8k I I, I pants memory mostly but that was easy because it's so formulaic I know I it's a homework movie and it hits these story beats so i'll try to hit those two sure and although i've been told even that is research and even that is planning but <laughs> i'm gonna say it's pantsing but like there comes a point where it's is you just run into a wall when you pants too much and you're like but where am i going this is just a meandering stream that isn't actually going anywhere and people don't like reading that Yeah. So it can be helpful to have a map. You know, sometimes it can be helpful. Although I I have to say that there are some times when I feel like a story that I just read was gorgeous and beautiful and amazing to read and it had no plot to it. Like the fluff or whatever was going on in the story was the plot, you know, and I think that's okay too. You know, I really do. It's not my speciality though. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. But yeah, like, you know, I I don't know. I feel sometimes that when I'm reading fan fiction, I'm so forgiving 
if it doesn't necessarily have a plot, but the interactions between the characters are compelling enough and different things like that. Like, I'm all for it, man. It's all good. But um, yeah. besides those things that you've covered and talked about already, were there any other interesting things that you've learned about writing fan fiction that you wanted to mention real quick? Well, it's it's a really personal one that I've I've learned, but it's that kudos and comments, they're all nice and fun to get, definitely, and they give this dopamine high that makes you really happy. But to me... They are the least important bit of writing and posting because I've learned that if I want to write, I should be writing for me and I want to enjoy while writing. And instead of I'm going to put this out there to get all the kudos and get that feedback and the happy endorphins and everything, I don't want to have my happiness about a piece of writing be based on what everyone else thinks about it. I want to be happy with it because I wrote it and I had fun writing it or cathartic fun because I was torturing them. But I want to be the person who is happy with the fic. And then it's an extra for other people to be happy with the fic and to enjoy reading it. But above all, it's my enjoyment and not theirs that I want to be focused on. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for saying that, for reminding us of that. I think that that is so important. I feel sometimes that there are some people who get into this business because they are trying to fulfill a need in their life, whether that need is validation or attention or feeling like people really love them as a writer or whatever. And like you said, those things can be nice, right? It's very nice when people recognize talent or when you get those comments and kudos, but those are bonuses, right? Like if you're going into this business strictly for those things to fill those needs for yourself, you're in the wrong business. You're going to be disappointed. Yes. You're You're going to be be so disappointed. Yes. Every fic that doesn't do well is going to be staring at you with the little zero or that little one on kudos and you're going to be so annoyed. Yes. And the writers I have heard, not directly from writers, but I have seen writers post things on Reddit about this topic. And you can always tell the ones that are doing it for those reasons, they are never satisfied, you know, and never quite happy with the whole process because they might find some success. They might if they're lucky. But it's not a lasting satisfaction. And they're constantly searching to have that experience all over again and again and again. And then they get really frustrated when they can't quite crack the code again, so to speak. It seems like it's the ones who get into the business because they just love the process. They love writing. They love the characters. They love the exploration. And all the other stuff is just the bonus on top. But they don't need that to keep going because writing itself is the reward that's why they do it to me that's the most important part and it's something that i try to at least for myself really keep in mind because i find that difficult as well i want my stories to do well and i'm always scared of getting negative reviews and i have had to force myself to not constantly refresh my stats page to see how many kudos i got today Because I'm not immune to that. 
But it's why I remind myself, but did you write it for them or did you write it for you? And I'm like, I, I wrote it for me. And that's the most important part. Okay, so fuck those kudos. It's a nice email to get, but when it doesn't come for a day, that's also fine. So that's where I try to keep my mind. Yes, and I love that. I think that's so healthy. And it's a good reminder that it is okay to put ourselves first. That's not a selfish thing. It is not. Especially with our writing and our creative pursuits, it's okay to put ourselves first and to say Definitely. that first and foremost, we are doing this for ourselves. And that's not Definitely. a selfish thing because we matter. We matter. We matter so much. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. I love that. Thank you so much for reminding us of that because I just think that that's fantastic. Lastly, do you have any other fan fiction writers out there that you'd like to shout out on the podcast before we end? Oh, this was the hardest question of all. <laughs> I know. It can be sometimes, right? It's so hard. Well, I, I can't ignore my wonderful beta for memory, which was found in Miss Barbie. She's tagged at the top, so please check out her profile. Yeah, we have Venomous coming up on the show here sometime soon this year. Nice. So that'll yeah, be she cool. Yes. So definitely check her out. And I'd say if you don't know where to start, check the other fix in the collection, in the untacked collection. Because I know all the writers, they're all from the server, they're all wonderful folks. And I'd say just just choose one. Most of them have them tagged by now, so you know what you're going into. So they're all wonderful, and they're wonderful stories. And I've mentioned the two servers already that I'm in that have helped me a ton the, on Discord, the Harry Potter Fan Fiction Club and Harry Potter Fanfic Writers Guild. They're still supporting my journey, and they have for the past two years. And I'm sure they will continue doing so. And there are wonderful people in both. I'd love to see people there. And on my other screening. Because I'm not there on the fandom floor. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for those shout outs. And yes, shout outs to the communities that are wonderful places to be. That help people and just provide the encouragement that we all need, I think. Right? We all need that. And that sense of belonging. It's just a beautiful thing. So thank you for those. And, uh, you know, Fandom Galore, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was absolutely my pleasure. Check out her stories on AO3 and give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.